0: G'day legend, fellow frother of the breath-holding kind. Welcome to the Noob Spare Podcast. My name is Shrek. Today we're getting into a third interview with an absolute legend, Jerry Guerra from Neptonics in the States. We talk about uh, a bunch of new kit that have come out, but we also talk about serious prep for serious spearfishing adventures. He's been doing uh, an African spearfishing trip year on year for about three years, and he has learned a hell of a lot about how to prepare himself best so we get right into the weeds with that and talk about some innovative equipment that neptonics is throwing out uh, throwing out charging out the door i should say uh, and so i kind of I guess I guess I get to ask about things that are piquing my curiosity, and I hope you enjoy that today and be a, enjoy being a fly on the wall. Um, Jack Madison sent me a quick message. He said, "I just want to raise some awareness out there. Um, off the Port Stephens coast in New South Wales, they are." planning a huge offshore wind farm which will threaten fishing on the Hunter Coast completely. Hundreds of 300 metre high turbines, 2,000 square kilometres of exclusions in some of the country's best game fishing grounds. Uh, The known impacts to marine life uh, are, are substantial and there's been almost zero community consultation. They've kind of snuck this one under the radar. And Jack raises some really interesting points. He talks about... They're a highly contentious issue. Realistically, um, you know, we, we we know we need to come up with alternative ways of generating um, energy that aren't about burning coal. Uh, wind energy is a potential uh, option. He's honest about that. It does tick all the green energy boxes, um, apparently. But then when you dig into the weeds a little bit more, um, you find out that there's a few questionable things being done about it. It's been installed probably by overseas developers um, who will – Uh, receive substantial profits and they're utilizing arguably our best game fishing resource. Um, Some environmentalists have triggered alarms that uh, it can cause significant increase in whale deaths and where, where they do have these kinds of farms in other parts of the world, this is something that they're seeing. And, uh, yeah just the loss of access to our recreational fishes is, um, is, is absolutely hectic as well as all of the you know the the componentry that goes into these wind farms can actually m- make them not actually a positive environmental impact so pay attention out there if you are living in that part of the world then get involved in that consultative process if you can and thanks Jack for bringing that to our attention. I'm sorry I was a bit slow to um, get to it but yeah definitely um sometimes these these things they they sneak them in and recreational fish shows like sparrows lion fishermen we're a very small part of of the world really and sometimes we we don't hear about this stuff until it's too late and so it's cool if we can band together kind of just at least make sure our voices are heard and that is part of those processes and we've seen some victories in the past as well so cheers jack uh, anyway i'm not going to belabor it too much uh let's get into it with Jerry just quickly before we get there there's a new partner coming on board I would love to hear your taxman stories go to noobspirit.com head up into the menu there into the give back menu go to Stories, and leave me a voice message I want to hear your tales of the taxman the good the bad the ugly put it all in there I know a lot of our encounters are really positive and so I want to hear some of them as well but the scary ones are also good so Hey, let's get into it. Jerry Guerra, part three. The man from neptonics Ura, here we go. Danny says, Adreno, you guys are ahead of the game. Price is very competitive. Customer service is fantastic. Speed of delivery from your warehouse is the best I've ever experienced. And everything I have purchased was in stock. Great experience, highly recommend these guys for anything to do with what happens and what you need to get under the water. That review from Danny. Check him out at adreno.com.au. These guys do a fantastic job outfitting noob spiros from all over, particularly Australia. But check them out at adreno.com.au. You can save $20 on every purchase over $200. Not only can you use it online, but you can also use it in-store. They've got two stores in Brisbane. They've got Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth. Check them out. They are doing good things. Adreno.com.au. Buying gear
1: online can be tricky. You ask yourself the same questions. Will it arrive on time? Is it actually what I want? How much is the shipping going to cost? Great news. The name you can trust is Neptonics. Neptonics have route package protection. Basically, insurance on your gear so you can have peace of mind. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend $199 or more. Clear, transparent communication on shipping time and most gear ships in two days. They also have, my favorite, a no BS returns policy. That's right, no BS. And it's all backed by one of the strongest names in spearfishing, and it finishes with tonics. And it's not gin and tonic, it's Neptonics. Solid gear that works. Visit Neptonics, buy tough gear, Use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. That's right. Use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B 10, to save 10% on your order at neptonics.com.
0: I'm joined by Gerald Lee Guerra Jr., uh, Aka Jerry Guerra from Naptonics. I don't know if you wanted your full name out there, Jerry, but mate, it's good to catch I can't up with you. You're fine, man. <laughs> it's been a little I've while. Got nothing,
2: I've got nothing to hide at this moment, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you were just saying, like, um, it's Veterans Day today. We're um, there in the US. It's a massive thing there for ex-military personnel, current military personnel. Uh, but you've made time. You've got a bourbon in hand, and you're ready to do some noob spiro podcasting.
2: Yeah, man. Um, me and a handful of buddies are going to meet up after this, and um, it's the Marine Corps birthday today, and veterans day tomorrow. So,
0: ah, okay, cool.
2: Might as well have, might as well have a small headache. <laughs>
0: uh, the, the bonds forged in, in war and, 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 and in the military, they just seem to be something special, man. Like it's, it seems to be hard to replace. I mean, you, 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 if you, if you serve in the theater of war, it's a horrible thing, but it, it seems to just forge these unbelievable connections.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, it's an absolutely blessed and a curse. Like, like meeting someone in those conditions is, um, Something really fucked up, to for lack of a better way of putting it. But mm. I mean, I five of my best friends are Marines with me. Yeah. yeah, interesting how that works, you know.
0: There's a couple of parallels I want to I want to chat with you about. Um, I'm, I'm a guy from um, your neck of the woods. He, he's always sending me people, um, but he sent me this guy Prime Hall to chat with. I'm going to get into a little bit more around the benefits of spearfishing with regards to mental health and I know with a lot of ex veterans dealing with PTSD and different elements of it and just reintegrating back into normal life when they come back from, um, from serving overseas, like this, it's hard to gel back into normal life. Can you speak to that just for a sec?
2: Sure, man. Um, I wasn't expecting that question, but yeah, so (laughs) I got out, yeah, no problem, man. I got out of the Marine Corps in, um, 2002 and, um, coming back in was a, it was a hell of a transition to be honest with you. Like the first six, eight months was, was pretty rough. Like, From going from a sergeant in the Marine Corps, like when you, when you tell someone to do something, it happened like within seconds. And like, when you get back to civilian life, you're like trying to find jobs (laughs) and you're trying to ask people to help you out. it's like, it's like literally talking to a bunch of fucking retards. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, so that was like, that was a really hard, um, transition. Like just like the, the amount of like, there's just like no urgency in the civilian world. Mm. And it's even, it seems to be even worse now. Yeah. So that's, um, that was a really for me, that was personally, that was a really big challenge, but, um, but at the end of the day, man, like, um, from a PTSD standpoint, like I I can't say that everyone's had it, but I feel like most people that were in combat in one shape, one way, shape or form, they've experienced some small side of it, whether it's really bad in life crippling form or not. That's, that's beyond me, but, um, man, finding a passion and something that you love to do that'll take your mind off the day-to-day grind is a hell of a way to start it.
0: Mm. Were you spearing before you joined the military or was that something that came along later?
2: No, I was spearing long before that. My dad got me into like lobster diving and, and spearfishing when I was like five years old or so. Mm. Um, and then I, I did that um, up until I was like 17 or 18 when I joined the military. And then um, I was a I was a dive instructor in the military and then yeah. I got out and then... Um, I got out and, um, started doing free diving. I uh, got really heavy into the spearfishing free diving side of it and started doing the competitions after that.
0: Yeah. Right. Cool. It's interesting to hear how people's journeys go with it. So like a lot of people talk about the the benefits to your sort of your sympathetic nervous system and stuff when you, that mammalian dive reflex, it, it has these profound impacts on our body. And I like, I, I have, um, uh, a stepson with, with autism and, when I when I get them in the water and and I and I see the same thing in myself, it's like when we we shut down one or two senses. It seems to just make us much more level and hundred percent in the moment. Not really. I mean, you can still get stuck in the thought train, but it seems to be between that and the the dive reflex, and then the benefits on your you know on your nervous on your nervous system. It seems to be just this amazing cocktail that just seems to help sort of settle you out and ground you. Do you, do you find that? And do you resonate with that?
2: hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to expand on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, hundred, a hundred percent accurate on everything you just said.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean for the, for lack of a better term, I and mean, it's just something, it's something that's freediving quote unquote extreme sport. Like we could all agree or disagree if it's an extreme sport an adventure sport. Absolutely. Mm. The spear fishing side of it, it's, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's underwater hunting, right? But it definitely puts you in a mindset that the day-to-day goes by, and it's just a very, for most guys and most women that I know that do this sport, it's, they, they do it because it's fucking peaceful and they love it.
0: You guys are a little bit sport there in Florida too sometimes, like depending on, I mean, there's all different yeah. different parts of it, but your fishery is like pretty alive. Do you ever, ever have quiet days? And do you still enjoy them as much as the like super fishy
2: days? Sometimes I like it more, man, but yeah, we do have quiet days.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you guys have quite a lot of closed seasons and stuff. It seems to be like pretty well managed because whenever your seasons are open, there's just, there seems to be quite a bit around.
2: Yeah. I mean, as much as I hate that the government closes the seasons, but it's also the same reason we have the fisheries we do. And I I mean, we can get into the red tape of shit that they're doing right or wrong. And that's, that's the science is beyond me, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the fishery here is absolutely amazing. Hmm. It's a very, very rarely that you go out on a day of diving or a day of rod reel fishing for that matter. And you don't get your legal limit of what you're targeting. Yeah. Very rare.
0: So quiet days for you when you've got nothing to hold up for the camera. I mean, I'm, I know you don't post half of your, at least half of your stuff
2: on Instagram or anything else. Man, I, I don't post much, buddy. Yeah. I, I know I need to, I know, I know, but I, I just don't. Yeah.
0: Well, I enjoy seeing it when it does come up. Sometimes it's like you know, prolific guys. It's like, you know, when something does come up, every, even if they post every four or five months, you kind of really enjoy just seeing it and catching up with them and making a small comment and re-engaging with people. Because sometimes it's hard to have, you know, there's that um, Dunbar's law or whatever. We can only really have, you know, decent relationships with like 125 people. And the problem is like with guys like you and me, you know, our our, our kind of our business and our, and our dealings, our outward sort of influence sometimes means that we, know a lot of people, but sometimes you're not really connected with a lot of people. And I like seeing your stuff on social media. Cause it's like, Oh sweet. Jerry's been out sparing. And then I read a bit about the adventure and I, it feels like I reconnect a bit. So I think, I mean, that is one cool. of the good sides of Instagram.
2: So, yeah. So that being said, man, um, noted, I'll, I'll do better to post a little <laughs> bit
0: more. <laughs> I wasn't putting pressure on you. I wanted to chat with you about one specific species though. Cause it, it, uh, it's, sure. a, it's a species that, that, um, is, like high on my radar. It's a long nose emperor. And I seen you challenge one. Yeah. like you, you can see you got a big shit eating grin on your face. Like it looks like you've had a, a really good time out there. Talk to tell me about that.
2: Yeah, man. So long nose emperor, man, like they're not big fish and standards of like what pelagics would be or tuna or not, man. But they're just, it's probably one of the more challenging fish that I've ever hunted. And if it's not the, the hardest, it's definitely in the top three by, by all means. They're, um they're they're not typically necessarily really deep but they're usually in a lot of current and they're deep enough and you just got to have a long wait time and a long bottom time and be super calm and patient not to scare those damn things off man but they're um the small ones don't seem to be as scared but the good sized ones like the ones that are you know plus eight kilos they they, they tend to hold their distance man
0: mm. that one you're holding up looks like probably 10 12 pound uh, maybe more
2: no he was a little bit more than that he was um about it was about 16 and a half pounds, almost wow. 17 pounds. So that's a horse, but, um, man. It was it was a good fish, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, what was what happened on that dive? Was did you get lucky or was it was it a bit of everything?
2: No, man, it was um it that was one of the fish that was definitely um a bit more of skill than my luck, man. Like most of my big fish have been way more luck than skill, to be honest with you. Yeah. But um the the reef was um the bottom of the sand was like 82 to 85 feet in the sand and the top of the coral would come up to like 40, I'm sorry, not quite 40, about 55 feet or so, and then drop back down. And when the water was relatively clear, so as you're dropping down, you could see them scatter off. But if you, the water was clear enough that if you dropped into the ravine that they're not in, you could lay on the bottom for about 45 seconds to a minute and then slowly swim up the coral ravine and then back down into the other one. And you could get one of your fish if you wanted to, but it, it requires a very long and dive. And it took me like eight or nine times, like eight or nine drifts to actually find the fish. And then it took me like literally seven or eight of those drifts to actually figure out like their behavior to get the, get the fish.
0: And this is why you had that big shit eating grin. Cause you, you worked for that and it's like, yeah. Everyone sees the the photo on Instagram and they go, oh, sick, like he shot a cool fish. They don't know the backstory behind it. This this is kind of always what intrigues me. And a a grin like that on an experienced Spiro generally means you're either out in really rad conditions and something special happened or you really worked your ass off for it. And it sounds like this one was a bit of work.
2: Yeah, this one was a lot of work, but don't get me wrong. It was a really rad location with really rad conditions, but it was a lot of work on top of all that, which is probably when it made that fish a little bit special to me.
0: Cocktail. The cocktail yeah. of emotion,
2: and and they fucking eat so good, bro.
0: Yeah, what, oh you,
2: man, they're so good.
0: On your trips, do you guys like have some go tos? Like, how what do you what do you do to cook them up?
2: So, so this um this particular trip we were on um it was in Africa and um they had um a chef that's a diver, and he's also like a halftime guide, so he's like helping with the uh, shooting rainbow runners for the the tuna, and the guy's name is Gustavo, phenomenal, really nice guy, an absolutely amazing chef and he took this fish and like um, took the big fillets off of it butterflied it and then stuffed it with lobster <laughs> and did like this lobster lobster emperor bake with it it was fucking incredible man
0: oh that sounds sick
2: yeah wow I didn't even like 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 what what's so impressive to me about it was none of it was an absolutely amazing meal but this guy pulled it off like a liveaboard boat with a galley the size of your desk
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah there's something so about like that,
2: that part's like it's not like it's like a commercial kitchen like at a restaurant like a fucking Michelin star restaurant like the guy like Literally,
0: like fucking, did it in a camping stove, bro. Yeah, nice, nice. That those some of those emperor species have got kind of like a because they're a fairly muscly fish, aren't they? Like that's a little bit coarser than some of your more delicate fish. So interestingly, yeah. he, he went with the bake, well, um, and then the lobster kind of would have done something too. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm not a chef by any means, man, but I've been cooking fish for a long time, and I would have never done that that way.
0: Yeah, I've got to get you some 99 square mm-hmm. recipes over there. Talking about that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, mu- muscly, muscly fish the way you described, it, in my mind, they go immediately to the grill.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And you and you maybe it's a fish you add something to, like some citrus or something to try and just break it down sure. a little bit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But um once again, man, like I don't know, the guy's a chef and apparently he went to school for culinary school in, in Spain for a long time and cooked a lot in Barcelona and somehow the other found himself working on a boat to live the life he wanted. But man, like hats off to the guy, he can fucking cook
0: yeah nice did you guys have octopus while he was on board because those spanish dudes they know how to do an octopus
2: we got we had octopus one time but it was we probably would have had a lot more we just didn't find a lot of them yep yep okay cool cool but um, looking for octopus when there's a uh, when there's dog tooth tuna and wahoo around is
0: yeah. <laughs> not really higher on <laughs> That's, my radar yeah. <laughs> it's lower down the the order of priority for sure i, I do tend yeah. to like spear with my stomach sometimes though i'll be honest like i um, you and
2: me both man
0: yeah yeah um all right cool you've done a couple of trips i want to hear about um some of them um i also have got a few of your emails hats off to you again sir like your um your email stuff with the neptonics if people go to neptonics.com and you're on the neptonics email like if you buy something off you you've got a really well done like support system and the the email follow-up is just brilliant but also like and like learning about new products and stuff that's coming out, I've learned out about a bunch of Neptonic stuff come on my radar. Um, I, I want to chat with you about what you are using and what you like at the moment. And um, owning sure. a owning a shop, you sometimes you sell a lot more stuff than you actually like to use yourself. So, let's talk about some of these bigger trips, like you did Africa last year and this year. Um, what are some yeah, of the? Yeah. So
2: um, go-tos? I've done I've done Africa three years in a row now. So, oh wow. Um. Yeah, um, I love that place, man. It's just raw and authentic and fucking wild as it gets, man. Like there's no fucking people around, and just the fish are massive, and the water, the, the fucking sharks in the water. It's just so pristine and perfect there, man.
0: Are you doing East Coast West Coast? What are you?
2: Uh, East Coast, so like um like uh, Tanzania, Zanzibar, Mozambique. Nice. In nice. between, like that whole trifecta, of, like through the Comoros, through. Um, Latham Island down to Lazarus Banks—that whole like region there. Like, that place is just littered with amazing fishery there. Yeah, right.
0: And good operators in the area. Or have you used a few now, or do you stick with the same people?
2: I've been using the same guy, man. I'm I'm pretty loyal like that. I find someone who does their job right, and no need to look past it.
0: Yeah. Well, you you dug you dug out a few. A few years ago, for me in the Florida area, who are you? Use- oh, you don't want to blow his name up, I guess. Maybe it'll ruin all you
2: your. No, I'm more than happy to, man. Um, the guy's name is Eric Allard and, ah, um, and yeah. Nigel Spencer. They run yeah. um extreme blue water Fishing there. Yeah, yeah. But um, if you get to know him a little bit, you do one trip, you get the basic one. You do two trips, you get a little bit better, and by the third one, you can start forming your dream
0: trips. (laughs) I saw saw, um, David Ochoa the other day. He was headed out with um, Eric, I believe too, uh, off Zanzibar there. Like I watched um, one of his videos last year. It does seem like an insane part of the world. Like just crazy. It
2: it really is, man. Um, And it's one of those places where like everyone's like, well, you just dive in the same spots there, but it's, it's absolutely not, man. It's like, it's like the, I wouldn't say it's nothing like the size of the Great Barrier Reef or the Coral Sea, man. But, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of spots to dive. Like, I don't I don't think that spear fishermen or rod and reel fishermen without nets could ever fish that place out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like you say, like sparsely populated and a lot of people aren't getting out and they don't have the range to get out to the, the places that um, Eric's taking you and Nigel.
2: Yeah. And it's up to the faint heart, man. It's like full disclosure, it's very hard diving and it kicks my ass a bit too.
0: So, okay, we'll talk to that. How, what, what sort of dive level do you need and how do you prepare for a trip? Um, Physically, I mean. Okay, mentally.
2: so 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 for the, the to do, to be successful in Latham, I, I do feel like you need to be like a, a very high intermediate to advanced diver. Um, to shoot wahoo, to shoot yellowfin tuna, there, like it's very basic. It's thirty-five to forty foot dives, and you can get some really good fish. To be successful with dogtooth tuna, there, I mean, you got to be able to hunt and be comfortable at hundred feet, mm. so thirty meters. And if you can't, if you're not comfortable with blue water gear and big float lines at hundred feet. I'm not saying you won't get fish, but your success ratio gets really low. And every now and then you get lucky and they're up higher than the flashers, man. But I mean, luck's not a fucking strategy. Let's be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like you're a busy guy though, like you, you're running a, a, a big operation there in the U S and like, well, you know, like comparatively. So you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I'm imagining you're not getting out diving and just killing it two, three times a week. So how do you, how do you prepare your body and no. mind for it?
2: Yeah, so when when I do book these trips, man, like I, I kind of treat it like um it's somewhere between business and very personal. So um lifestyle changes completely and it's almost like um almost like a what what military boot camp would be or a fight camp would be for a fighter. So um ten to twelve weeks out, man, like all alcohol stops, the carb macro ratios start getting counted and gym is five days a week and hopefully for diving two days a week. And the only reason that I'm not in the gym five days a week is if I'm really, really sick or I'm going diving, but alarm clock goes off at 4:45, and it's into the gym and, um, it's fasted cardio for 45 minutes and, um, weight training for 45 to 50 minutes. And it's, it's very specific to free diving. So I've kind of like changed my workouts around to like 10 to, I'm sorry, 12 to 15 reps, five exercises and, um, very lightweight for lots of reps. So it's a very cardio infused exercise. But, um, if you have a decent free diving background around you and you, you know how that you know, your your mammalia reflex goes in pretty easy. Like that workout routine for that amount of time, like you get over there and you dive like an animal, like 120 foot dives are no problem 20 times in a row. Yeah. Right. But, but you have to want it, man. Like it's not, it's like, it's not for the faint heart and Mm. everyone's got their own excuses of I got kids and I got life and I got wife Mm. and, and, and I get it. And that's all fair. But if you want those fish and you want to dive like that, like you, you got to dedicate yourself to it.
0: So you triple whammy there. You've gone, Diet and lifestyle. You've upped your gym, and you're trying to go diving twice a week. Is that pretty much the regime?
2: That is. Yeah. So you know, and doing- it's not realistic to maintain that lifestyle. At least for me, it's not realistic to maintain that much for much more than ten to twelve weeks at a time. And and like quote unquote, like off season when I'm not training for that, like the gym goes down to like four days a week and cardio is four days a week, and it's not nearly as intense. But.
0: Mm. Okay. Cool but I guess if you're like, say you want to perform at your best and you want to make the most of the opportunity that's in front of you, like you need to sort of, uh, be pretty intentional about aiming up.
2: Yeah. Like, in my, my honest opinion, like, and like I said, this, this is just my observation of it. Like, you know, everyone wants these big trophy dream fish and that's a huge goal for spear fishermen, Ben, but you know, you spend all this money on gear and equipment and the technology is so advanced than what it was 20 years ago. So let's say you have an unlimited budget and you have the time to go to these destinations, like to go there and not be in your peak performance. Like why bother?
0: Yeah. You just, you end up sort of disappointing and frustrating yourself. And yeah, I mean, I'm-
2: the only person you're hurting is yourself and And like you can go over there and go, it, it doesn't even have to be Africa. It could be any big spearfishing trip. And you know, you go over there and you have your, like your head on your shoulders that you're some kind of badass. but <laughs> you know, you don't take it seriously. And you know, you'll humble the fuck out of yourself really quick mm. It, to the point where you either quit spearfishing or where you take it seriously and get your shit right
0: yeah I, so, I feel like sometimes there is no quarter no quarter given with like spearfishing it's pretty unforgiving sometimes like i've 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 gone well, out and okay. felt like i've gone backwards you know and you know it's sometimes yeah. with lifestyle factors it's unavoidable you know um i would love to be able to maintain your sort of regime but like yeah the lifestyle balance is it is about what you prioritize and what you can kind of make work sure but um it sucks to feel like you're going backwards and it does make you feel it's it's extremely discouraging to go backwards
2: it um, is but at the end of the day man like we like spearfishing and freediving is you know freediving could be in, in a controlled environment right it could be in a nice calm spring or it could be in one of these like big tubes that exists in europe right <laughs> but but spearfishing is not that way man it's in mother mm-hmm. nature man and And as we all know man like mother nature is the best equalizer on the planet like you ever want to be a badass like go put yourself in some hard conditions for a little bit you'll find out how tough you really are
0: yeah yeah it doesn't actually have to be spearfishing either like you look at some of these wilderness people like that head out to alaska for you know weeks at a time like it's it's crazy like or hunting like you know the south island chasing chamois or tar with a with a bow and like up and down these huge things like I think there's something in that that appeals to that's all. It's
2: some us. hardcore
0: shit, man. Yeah, but it appeals to you too, because it's like you almost want that.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's part of the allure, right?
0: This podcast is brought to you by aqualite.com.au. This is the best solution, bar none, for staying hydrated in the ocean. If you're a Spiro, it's an absolute. No brainer, it's a game changer. If you're doing extended trips and the cramp starts to set in, and uh, the old body's telling you, "Hey, that's enough. Just get hydrated, and it will save you a whole heap of woe." It's a groundbreaking product that can help you to stay hydrated. It's got low sugar. It's less acidic than other options on the market. It's rapid absorption, help you to maintain performance. Dehydration of just one to two percent can affect your mental and physical performance by up to six or seven percent. And as when you're spearfishing, you can tell when dehydration's starting to affect you because the equalisation goes out the window. Get Aqualite at aqualite.com.au. It's scientific rehydration that Spiro's know and trust. I know because one works there, and that's why we've set up this discount code for you. 10% off when you use the code noobspero at aqualite.com.au. Check it out, Australian-made hydration products tailored for Spiro's and a whole bunch of other people that suffer from dehydration too. But check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code noobspero to save 10%.
1: I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I can trust when I pull the trigger. Killshot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln-dried Burmese teak. Killshot spear guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust, fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at KillshotSpearguns.com. Yes and Amen Uber, that's $30 off American-made performance spearguns at killshotspearguns.com i'm really sorry for this terrible accent brought to you by ed martin at
0: killshotspearguns.com got a sweet deal for you today guys go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different
4: disciplines. The freediving manual is a digital freediving course, one that you can do at home, at your leisure, whenever you've got time. The course contains absolutely everything that a freediving instructor would teach on a freediving course. The digital courses are broken down into a video format and they contain everything that a freediving instructor would teach on a freediving course. We have beginner freediving courses, intermediate freediving courses, and advanced freediving courses for those who are working on diving deeper. The freediving manual contains all the safety information that any Spiro could want.
0: Thanks, Adam, and team. Love it. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com salt and water make for a deadly combination when it comes to dive gear that's why you need to visit oldmanblue.com.au they use the finest in materials and they make stuff to last they use 316 marine grade stainless steel in their loops and they source their materials and make their own stuff right there in western australia catch bags cray loops and more visit oldmanblue.com.au check it out let's get geeky on gear then so i know last last time i chatted with you you had a a new travel gun bag uh we talked a little bit about that um how's that going is that is that evolved is is that still doing its thing and and what other gear are you
2: taking yeah so I've, i've evolved that bag a little tiny bit it's got some extra um handles on it and some a little bit more padding on it to protect the gear inside of it but um Yeah, so currently when I travel and I spearfish, I'm using the Alimani 135 Carbon Tribal Vela and I'm using the um, Alimani 110 demultiplied Carbon Tribal Vela as well. So two guns that break down. um, For the the big gun, I take a shaft per day for my trip. So six-day trip, six shafts, um, double floppers and um, slip tips combination. And then for the reef gun, fortunately, you get a little bit luckier on the reef. So I take usually like um, one shaft for every two days so it's you know six day trips three shafts yeah okay and then um typically with that i'm just using um a reel and all double floppers on that
0: okay cool cool and
1: but
2: um yeah like like the those guns are really um they're amazing they're um they're not for the faint heart yeah. as far as like if you're intimidated by rigging and tying knots and splicing they're not they're not for you mm. but um most people that go on these trips they have their head on their shoulders and you know they're or there's someone on that trip that knows how these guns work and function to do it. So. But um you know, they shoot like a dream, they break down for travel really well. And and that being said, there's a handful of other really big guns that do very well on these trips, but that's the one gun that I found that shoots very far, hits very hard, and is able to dive very deep. And usually a spear gun lacks in one of those categories.
0: Yeah, righto. And that and hence the price tag too, because they're probably the most expensive guns on the market.
2: God, fuck is he proud of them, bro?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, would have to live on a rack, wouldn't they? Like you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be throwing them carelessly around in the garage.
2: No, 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 you don't, man. Like they go into a little neoprene sack and you, you treat them right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far out.
0: I um, these days I'm getting a bit sport with gear. Like um, you know, people tend to give me stuff. I've, I've come across some really good gear lately. Like you said, like the spearfishing world, like the the stuff just keeps getting incrementally better and better year on year. And I, uh, you know, guys from spear that was spearing 25 years ago probably looking at what we use now and they're just like you know you guys have got no idea so
2: man uh, it's one of those things like i i my dad my dad's been spearfishing like you know he's let's see it's uh, 1950 so he's like 73 now Mm. and he started spearfishing when he was like 13 years old and like the way he describes the fishery then to the gear they had now i couldn't imagine like if we could access that fishery with our current equipment like the amount of big giant fish that we would produce. I couldn't imagine what that would be like. It's an Mm. unfathomable topic. Yeah. (laughs) It really is because, I mean, those guys landed some really big special shit, but they never even tried the blue water stuff in like the 1960s. That wasn't even, that wasn't even a thing yet.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. So we, we got your guns kind of uh, in mind in terms of, um, so you're taking a shaft a day for blue water, a shaft every two days for sort of reef hunting. Um, in terms of what else are you taking, you rig with, uh, Dyneema are you using, what do you, what's your shooting line look like when you're at blue water hunting?
2: So my, my shooting line, I'm using 1000 pound back splice spectra on it. So really similar to like what would be on this, your slip tip.
0: Okay. Oh yeah. And that's like, yeah.
2: So I, I, I brummel splice that through the, through the shark fin and then, um, like, yeah, a little 8,000 pound test on that. And then I splice it on the back end to my breakaway.
0: Have you got videos made up for how you prepare your guns for blue water?
2: I do. I do, right. but I don't have them posted yet, but they should be posted by like, hopefully by the end of the weekend, maybe Monday afternoon at the latest. Right. I'm a little bit behind on that.
0: That sounds sick though. I'd love to link them up so people can have a real good look at that. Cause you, you've done the same campaign three years in a row. I'm imagining your gear is pretty top-notch. So I'm going to link them up in today uh, today's episode. So it'll be com forward slash Neptonics 3, because I think this is the third time you and I have caught up. Jerry, is that right?
2: I believe so. Yeah. I believe
0: so. Yeah, cool. And then if go, if guys go to noobspero.com forward slash Neptonics 3, I'm going to link up some of Jerry's rigging, particularly how he does his guns, hopefully. What, what vids have you got coming out?
2: So, um, all of it is, uh, the, 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 three videos that we're talking about is like how that splice is done, how that rigging is done. And it's, um, like I, I've had my ass kicked with big fish kicking my breaking gear, but at the same time like there's, um, the, the dog tooth tuna particularly is like one of those fish where like, I haven't found the perfect rigging yet, but this is the best rigging that I have found for that fish. Okay. Cool. Um, and, um, so far I've had, so far all the gear failures I've had is because of sharks or the actual reef and nothing stops the reef and nothing stops sharks, but I have nothing had failed on a big, big fish because of gear failure. So, so I'm batting a thousand at yeah. strength to ratio on just the fish itself, where I've had everything else in the past fail on me. Yeah. But once it, once again, once it touches the reef, like gloves are off being like like, nah, yeah. now it's dirty boxing. <laughs>
0: they, they sound like <laughs> a dirty animal too. Like they, uh, they fight filthy. They, they drag everything down. And they are, they, try bro. And smoke they,
2: you. they are, man. They're, they're tough, bro. It's like a psycho ex taking all your shit when she leaves.
0: I feel like, like, like a guy who's like, um, just stepping into like a jujitsu gym. I've got my white belt on and I'm chatting with someone that's high up brown belt, black belt type thing. And I'm asking you questions about stuff that I really like. I'm still fairly green to next year. I plan to get out on my first kind of blue water hunt in Vanuatu. And, um, I I, I'm aiming up at it. I I haven't got it all finalized and stuff yet. Like finances are a bit of a barrier to these things, but like it's been
2: shit. I know the feeling.
0: Yeah, you do. Like every everyone (laughs) encounters barriers and boundaries in their lives. And like, you've kind of got to work this shit out for yourself, but yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe having another conversation with you about that stuff after I've had a few fuck ups and then I'll be able to like, uh, be a lot more specific with some of my questions.
2: Sure. Um, if you want to just talk about it before there, you can learn from my experience, man. I had a drill instructor who fucking kicked us in the nuts pretty hard about this. Like uh, a wise man learns from his mistakes, but a genius learns from his buddy.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, walk, walk me through.
2: So, so, um, so cable's amazing. We yep. all love cable. The, the reality of cable on the reef is, is your three, three atmosphere floats, which is literally plus a thousand dollars worth of your floats will get tied to the fucking reef and 180 feet of water fucking 50, 60 meters. And good luck getting all your shit back. So, um, I've exonated cable because I lost a whole fucking rig on that. Yeah. So at some point you do need it to fail. Right. So, so I feel like cable is amazing, but I also feel like cable is terrible if you're not that guy who can dive to the bottom. And I don't know anyone who's going down to 160 feet or 170 feet and cutting that shit loose.
0: Not in current. So
2: you're, you're, no way. Yeah, not in current. Exactly. It's not, not realistic at all, man. Mm. And you're, you're lucky the way these drifts work. If you can even find the fucking rig to make the second dot.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> the is so, screaming so, so over some pressure point, and and then, yeah,
2: some some of those spots the current's moving four to six knots. Like you, yeah. you know, you barely swim up the current. Like you just kind of hold yourself in position and aim at the flashers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's hard to imagine, actually. Like, um- it
2: is. So, so that's where I found like that thousand pounds spliced up spectra to be the best on slip tips, the slip tip side of it. I do find cable to be better than spectra. Mm. Um, and that's for a combination that it's better against the sharks. And a lot of times you'll shoot doggies on the shallower, quote unquote, shallower into the reef at like say 80 to a hundred feet. Cause they'll follow the flashers up. Mm. And if you shoot them with your spear gun, like the, the slip tip will go, co- the shaft will go through, the slip tip will go out and toggle. Mm. But now the fish is running and the shaft is still mid body in the fish. Yeah. And it wants to drag the slip tip along the reef and it'll cut the Specter slip tip.
0: Okay. So that's where.
2: So, so the cable slip tip seems to hold a bit better on those. Now you do risk with a bad shot of tearing out of the doggy, but that's all, it's all part of the scenario, man.
0: So generally you want to use a breakaway, but sometimes you're using slip tips. Is
2: that right? So I'm always using a, I'm always using a breakaway on the doggies and I'm always using a, cable slip tip now and, and um and I, oh, okay. like this trip is what switched me into that because my first like i lost two doggies on the reef with my spectra slip tips but in the past i was losing doggies because the cable was sawing through the son of a bitch and so it's like you know one thing after another but yeah so yeah. I, do, I feel like cable slip tips are better and i feel like spectra shooting line is better because at some point if it ties up down there it's gone
0: how long is that span then of of uh like between your your you, the flopper and your shaft,
2: like the flopper and the shaft.
0: So, um, so you, you were saying like slip tip. So it's it's slipping off the shaft, and and then it's still attached to the shaft, or is it just going straight onto your breakaway? I don't, I'm trying to get my oh head no, around just, the setup.
2: Yeah, so 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 what you're I think you're referring to like a drop point. So mine is ah. just a regular slip tip shaft. or If I'm using a double flopper, like you don't have to worry about the slip tip specter cable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah.
2: But um, I, I I've Double floppers, I've had a little bit of success with, but I've also had, I've had a lot more tear out with double floppers. And the other problem with double floppers when hunting doggies, especially in East Africa, is you don't know when a four or five hundred pound marlin's coming by, when you don't know when a 50, 60 sixty pound wahoo's coming by, and then a double flopper is not the right shaft for those fish. So, you know, you you know, you're targeting one species, but you fuck yourself out of the other if you don't have the right shit. Yeah, you. Yeah, I
0: guess you want something that's versatile enough that you can take all three down.
2: Yeah, which is also, once again, what makes that place so special and makes the allure of going back there. There's like very few places in the world where you can shoot five species on one drift of of that caliber.
0: Yeah, it's sick.
2: Yeah. So it's pretty, it's, in my mind, it's pretty special like that. Yeah.
0: Some of the other rigid edge gear you've got coming up. So are you using the, the Neptonics slip tip for your setup? Yes. Yeah. What do they retail yeah. for? Uh,
2: 100 bucks.
0: Oh, okay. That's pretty, that's pretty good
2: nothing terrible.
0: What about some of these other things? I'm seeing a fish call on your website. Do you use it for pelagic hunting or is this a reef type thing?
2: I use it a little bit of both. I don't personally dive it on the reef myself. I find myself scaring more fish than attracting more fish. But on pelagics, it seems to work really well. But I just attach mine to my flasher float.
0: Uh, I have
2: it on a small clip. I have it on a small clip there. You can jingle the flasher float. And like usually someone's by the flasher and jiggling the flasher up and down. So it kind of adds a little touch to that. I have um, my dive buddy Lee he attaches his to his actual flasher on the bottom and um, I find it working a little bit. Um, I, I find it working really well for pelagics and not really well for the reef to be perfectly honest.
0: Okay so, so it, um, when you, with your setup, it's on the surface making that sound as it moves in the current or someone's jingling the flasher. so water movements what activates it, you don't have to like push it uh, like mo- like activate it with your fingers or anything like that.
2: Correct. I took it. I took it off my flasher at the bottom um, for one simple reason, and uh, fucking sharks kept eating the damn thing, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had a shark belt mine the other day, and the viz was like, I had it on right down the the bottom of my um, like where the where the viz was pretty much. So there was just light hitting it, and uh, I could only just make out like I've got a um fabric wrap, wrapped weight on the bottom that kind of mimics a squid, and uh, it's, but it was down at like 30, 35 feet. And the sharks just given it a real good belt and sort of dragged me for a bit, and I couldn't even see the shark, so that was pretty cool. They they love the bottom of flashes; they love to hit them.
2: They're a big fan of them.
0: Mm. <laughs> I've heard some horror stories too about the latter ones getting caught around their heads, and just like a, I guess it would make you feel like you're part of a rodeo.
2: It it does, man. Um, on this actual trip, man, my uh, my dive partner and my 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 best friend Lee, um, on the flasher uh, sailfish, like I'd shot a wahoo. And there was like four wahoo, so I thought he had shot another wahoo. And next thing I know, the flasher is like I look out of the water, and the fl- like there's a sailfish jumping, and there's like the flasher buoy is like skipping along the surface. And I'm like, okay, he shot a sailfish, and the flasher is like attached to it all, like it all got tangled. Yeah. But what had happened that the the sailfish had like started attacking the damn flasher, and it got all tangled up in its beak. <laughs> so so like we so like I've got this bullshit like. 30 fucking pound Wahoo, like this piece of shit of having Wahoo that's going to get turned into chum in Africa because that's what they do with them. They don't want to fucking keep them to eat, which is super heartbreaking. That's another part of the conversation. So we're on this Zodiac and like we're, we're chasing down the fucking flasher float. And I'm like, there's no way that thing is still attached. Like these things spit out hook and line like every day, right? Like hook and line guys have a hard time keeping the hook set.
3: Hmm.
2: So yeah, like so like we chase this thing down for probably a, a quarter of a mile to a half a mile, or something like that. He hops in and shoots his damn thing with a fucking Rob Allen real gun, like a one thirty in two bands, and like fucking puts, puts like a hundred and sixty pound selfish in the boat with it.
0: <laughs> like, have you seen that video? And he's like, here?
2: hey, he's like, he's like, hey, are you getting it with me? I'm like, no. The last one I shot tried to spear me back, man. The fuck, you're yeah, on? Yeah, no, bro. Yeah. do do it. They do. So i t- shooting
0: them. They turn and come back at you. I've heard sometimes.
2: Yeah, they're mean as shit, man. Yeah. But it's all fair. They have a spear, too. Like, we, I mean, we, we do it to them. They should try that.
0: Have you watched um, Tim McDonald's um, YouTube channel? I have not. He's a guy off Brisbane. He's relaunched his YouTube channel. It's going great guns, by the way. Um, uh, Tim McDonald's spearfishing down under, it's called. But um, he's got this video back in the day. He shoots a 138 kilo black marlin with a, with a Rife 120 double band. And it just... Takes him for a ride. It's the coolest thing. I fucking should, bet. Oh, yeah. You've got to watch the video because he, 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 there's commentary and he, and he freeze frames it because, like everything that happens in spearfishing, like 10 seconds expands into a book, you know, in your brain. And, uh, he has to, yeah. Sl- sl- yeah. I'm well aware. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. But like, we, as you were talking, I was reminded of that. And this thing just takes him for a ride. It's pretty cool. He might as well have put out jet skis and just, um, and just had a proper ride. It was, it's a real cool watch. Probably one of the best videos. That's I've ever fantastic. Seen. I, I use it sometimes to show students like, you know, at the top end of, you know, getting really geeking out on spearfishing, going hard for a few years. This is kind of what, what is available to you, you know, like this is, these are some of the moments that are available when you do what we do. So. It,
2: it is. I mean, it's also the, the moments that keep you coming back from more. at least keeps me coming back from work.
0: mm-hmm yeah, I don't know about being undergunned on one of those big fish. So that would make me feel pretty intimidated. Um, have you had experience with that uh, come back at you?
2: Yeah, I've had. I, I haven't shot a marlin undergunned, but I've shot several yellowfin tuna undergunned, several wahoo undergunned, several big kingfish undergunned, and one doggy undergunned, and that didn't end well. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. It's like if you're at a bar and there's a fucking nine at the bar, like you, you gotta try, like. <laughs> like fuck whatever <laughs> I didn't fucking fly halfway across the world to say I wish I would have. fuck it man like send that bitch <laughs> uh,
0: talking about sending it uh, the chum dinger uh, talk me through this bit of kit is this something you take with you
2: I don't take those with me man I use those a lot locally here I um, and the reason why is they make they, they sell pre-frozen chum that fits in that thing ah, nice. and the inside of that thing is like super razor sharp like uh, I wouldn't say razor sharp it's super sharp edges and you put it in there, and hang it off the back of your boat, it floats. Mm. So um, every time like your boat moves a little bit in the momentum of the ocean, it like kind of shaves off a layer of that frozen chum for, for your spots. I would love to take it um, on a dive trip, but no one's ever got those fucking frozen blocks of chum and it's a bit, it's a bit bulky to travel with. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Um, for local guys like that, that have access to that, those frozen cubes of chum, it, it's an amazing thing.
0: So is that, is this something you make yourself or are they some, uh, you got a small company making them? or
2: No, there's a small company local here in Tampa, Florida that makes them for us.
0: Yeah. Sick. And is that a lot, a line yeah. fishing company come up with that or is that a Spiro company?
2: No, it's, um, it was, it was a, it was a fishing company and the guy, uh, the guy's a super nice guy. He's local here in Tampa. And, um, I met him at, um, a local boat show. Yeah. But, um, the guy owns a small, like, um, plastic molding company. Um, super nice guys. The guy who owns the company, his name is Ralph. And, um, he got, he kept buying like the wire mesh, the wire cages ones. And they would, they would rust and fucking leave stains all over his boat. And he got all pissed off with like having to like get rust off of his boat, rust marks off his boat. So he started making these and come to find out they're phenomenal.
0: If you wanted to just replicate it yourself, I mean, what, what are the frozen size blocks? um that are going in them what do you like is it like an ice cream container size block or
2: uh no so it would be so i'm not sure what it would be in, in metric but in in u.s it would be approximately four inches by eight inches yeah. by a foot
0: yeah right so it's
2: like a rectangle it's like a rectangle cube
0: so i was just thinking like some days you know you have a big you know, uh, fillet session. Sorry. We always say fillet. Yeah. Yeah. You guys say fillet, but you know, and you yeah, got all your frames. you got all your friends. I mean,
2: none you, of us are French, so it's confusing.
0: Yeah. You get all your frames left over though, and you, you can cleaver them up and you could potentially just freeze them in that size block. And then that thing would be really, you, abso-
2: you, you absolutely could. If you yeah. have, um, if you have a, um, a chest freezer that you're willing to do that with your, with your, um, with the carcasses of, you could absolutely do that.
0: It's better than throwing them in the bin or, even taking them down to the boat ramp and turfing them out
2: there, like um, fully agreed. A lot of guys here locally in Florida, they um, uh, they'll buy the jump, but they keep their they keep the the frames and they use them for their crab traps. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: A lot of guys. So, here do I, that too. But
2: as long as you're as long as you're repurposing, it, it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, you just want to make the most out of it, and I feel like sometimes you put stuff back into the ocean. It nothing gets wasted in the ocean, you know. Like it's all going to be. Digested and shut out four or five times before it reaches, you know, the bottom of the Marianas Trench. So, um, 100%. Yeah, the ocean's pretty cool like that. Hey, buddy, how's your breath hold going? Really? you struggling? I do too sometimes, and that's why. I've got something perfect for you today. I think you'll agree with me when I say that maintaining or even increasing your breath hold is a struggle, especially when you're not slaying fish every week. But what if I told you there was a way to train yourself easily and do it safely? Freediving for spare at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold understand your body better and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. This program, Freediving for Spearfishers, is not for noobs. Uh, It's for people who have some diving under their belts and understand basic spearfishing safety. But it's perfect for spearos who want a guided, easy to follow and complete program with videos, a clear process and a set goal. The goal is a five minute static and check it out freediving for spearfishers at howtofreedive.com you can get started for free do the taster and if you do decide to purchase use the code noobspero n-o-o-b-s-p-e-a-r-o to save some money if you do decide to purchase check it out at howtofreedive.com Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water. Uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to good good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than a dollar 28 per serve. It's cheaper than cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NOOPSPEAR to save 10% on any order. Check it out aqualite. Made in Western Australia.
4: The free diving manual is a video manual that contains absolutely everything that I would teach on one of my free diving courses. Everything broken down video by video so you can effectively take a freediving course at home the manual is perfect for any spiro who wants to brush up on their freediving knowledge or get up to date with all the latest freediving safety and performance knowledge
0: great news guys adam stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the new spiro community if you get on freedivingfamily.com use the code spiro you'll get 20 percent off Any course, there's a bunch of sick courses on there. There's an equalizing uh, stage one, there's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there. They're two of my absolute favorites. If you have any problems with equalizing, go to freedivingfamily.com, get Adam's course, and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. All right, so training, we talked about training. Um, do you do any dry training as well to add on to that? Or is it just going diving twice a week?
2: No, all, all all the gym work I do is 100% like built around that. So like, like for example, like on chest day, I'll pick four chest exercises, um, five sets of 15 and all 15 reps is on a breath hold.
0: Yeah. Hypoxic, so hypoxic a little orthodox
2: them. Breaks a lot of, breaks a lot of rules of all the free diving instructors and all the trainers and all that shit. I, I know I get it, but um, I'm not saying to do it, but it works for me
0: okay hypoxic squats too I heard were a massive winner back in the day have you tried them
2: I have they're very uncomfortable but they're very effective
0: <laughs> is that part of your routine
2: um unfortunately yes and I hate them okay yeah
0: hypoxic squats um, on the sauna, I, 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 think. I
2: only do um I only do two to three sets of those not all five sets in full disclosure like they, they kick my ass okay
0: yeah some days like when you've had a big back or, or big leg day because they're such massive um groups of muscle like you can have extended fatigue it really puts you in a i don't know if it puts me in a big testosterone deficit or something but then i bounce back from it really well but it's like one or two yeah. days sometimes a pretty struggle straight.
2: yeah and then um so one of the guys who really got me good at freediving um scott campbell um this was back in 2002 i met him in hatteras north carolina genuinely this is good guy and i, I recently reconnected with him about About six or eight months ago. And he invited me on a dive trip that I couldn't make it, unfortunately. But, um, you know, he's one of the guys who like had me in the bottom of a pool, breathing through PVC pipes and doing some of this stuff. And this is when I was like 21, 22, or sorry, 22, 23 years old. But um, one that he told me that I started incorporating this year, and I'm sure it's in a book somewhere, but is actually to do like um, a small breathe up on land, do a little bit of a pack like maybe two to three small packs and then hang on a pull-up bar. Um, and that does some really interesting stuff of stretching your intercostal muscles and yeah. your rib muscles and that stuff. And it's super uncomfortable to do for me. Yeah. But, um, I feel like that really helps me as I get older with this sport, it gets a little bit harder.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm like, sweet. Yeah. That sounds really good. I would just encourage guys if they are listening and want to have a crack at this, um, when you want to do any of these like full breath stretching routines, expansion injuries become a a big deal and that that's quite easy to hurt yourself. Have you, you haven't done that to yourself? You haven't hurt yourself doing any of
2: them? I've been very fortunate like training where I have not hurt myself, not this past year, um, 23 in Africa, but 22 in Africa. Um, I did have a small like, um, barotrauma to my lower esophagus where it meets my lungs and, uh, torn that a bit, but it was completely my fault. Um, it was a very deep dive and I, I broke, a lot of rules trying to shoot a big fish and I lost the big fish and I tore my, um, <laughs> tore my esophagus on it. So, but, um, a um, few doctor's appointment later, a couple bottles of bourbon and some rest and it's all fixed.
0: How, how long did it take to heal?
2: Um, about nine weeks.
0: Okay. So how did you know you tore torn it Did you get a little bit of red flecky b- blood when you coughed up? Or? Um,
2: so there was like a really like sharp, like tearing pain in my upper chest and yep. then, um, Immediately after that, I was like coughing up a, a light amount of like pink phlegm slash blood. Okay,
0: and I'm going to ask you a real hard question here. Did that end your yeah. diving for the day?
2: No. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> it should have,
2: but i dove, i dove in, I dove another three days like that, like a complete jackass. But yeah, you know, no air, no glory, bro. <laughs>
0: Just just like for the listeners' benefit, I'll just say like if you experience a squeeze or a tear like that, you are at a high heightened risk of um of blackout and potentially deep water blackout too. But like you know, like you're in a decent state physically before you went. You've done a minor tear and I'm sure you have you know, been a bit more conservative probably on the following days.
2: Um, I did. I was um so it was a very deep dive. It was a very stupid dive. And I know exactly when I did. it. I felt it when it happened. And, um, I didn't go past 75 feet anymore after that. And I, I was very cautious and I, I was making sure that my dive buddy and I were one up, one down and spotting each other on it after that. But, um, yeah, I just wasn't willing to sit on the bench, man. I, yeah. I know it sounds terrible and I know there's no fish worth your life, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. everyone's mindset's a bit different on that.
0: This is another thing too, though, like expansion injuries, like it's cool to do a little bit of stretching, like the, the intercostal flexibility, ribcage flexibility is one thing that really can hold you back, particularly when you get down deep and you're at residual volume. And um, just being familiar with those sensations that are going in on, on your body and having that adaptation to depth is massive. Um, but, you know, like if you do yourself an injury on the first or second day of one of those extended liverboard trips – you know, you are putting all of the rest of that trip at jeopardy. So it's a good, um, it's a good idea, I guess, just to work your way into
2: it. Yeah, it definitely is, man. And, um, you know, it was one of the, it was like I said, the dive was, it was a stupid dive. It was, it was very deep. It was at like, I was literally stretching my bungee on my float line. Um, but more importantly too, like, um, it's a combination of your life and, and your friend's life, like your friend's life and you start putting everyone else in danger. So I definitely, accept full responsibility for that like no full disclosure and i, I told everybody that it happened and told everybody i was going to keep diving and everybody was we're all on the same page about it but yeah cool. um i think the only thing that can be worse than like hurting yourself like that is in like not only like you know you leave all your loved ones behind but you actually like fucking ruin your other buddy's dive strip yeah, yeah yeah and potentially like make them where they won't ever do it again so but you know, I would you know, full disclosure, my my dive buddy Lee, I, I told him what happened. I told I told my, my friend Jamie, I told my friend Hunter, I told my friend Pete, I told everybody what happened. And everyone's like, Are you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, I think I'm okay. I'm just like it's gonna take it easy and not dive as hard.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool. So
2: um, but, I, but also now, now now I'm a lot more familiar after that injury. But I also feel like if you take a lot of precautions and you are a very deep diver. And you take a lot of precautions. when I mean precautions, if you if you take training seriously and you do a lot of those flexibility trainings, I'm pretty sure that you can get yourself flexible enough to where it never happens. Mm. And I just didn't do that on my second year. I did that on my, my third year, but not my second year. But my second year also got – that injury also like taught me to, to be aware of that.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of guys are amazed at how far new divers can get in terms of depth these days and and times, you know, like I had a guy on this intermediate course and he's got a lot of natural ability and he's a young, you know, guy in his 20s, super capable, super confident, quite clever guy, um, as most of these people are. But in terms of demographics, that's probably our highest at-risk group. Um, And a lot of guys, like, and they can do what what might have taken many of us several years to do. They can get down and they can start diving these serious depths, but they don't have that, um, complex decision-making framework and the wisdom to go with diving that deep. Talk to me about how you make decisions and how you have become more wise over the years and what you try and teach maybe particularly guys and girls in that, that danger sort of group, if you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. So, so the best, the, the best thing I can put it, man, like is like most, most guys, and I can't say this about females, but because I don't feel like and this might come across wrong, but most females don't seem to be as aggressive or competitive as what the guys are at that at that young age, right? But um my myself is very high in this list. It's like, um, like I, when you're when you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, twenty five years old, you you fucking feel invincible, man, and that's all there is to it. And like you also are like that young part in life where you're not even thinking about your old life yet so you're willing to push limits and break rules and think that it can't happen to you, man. But, um, I'm probably going to get this saying wrong, but there's a lot of like, there's a lot of old good divers and there's a lot of young, good divers, but there's not a lot of, and there's a lot of young, there's a lot of dumb divers, right. Mm. But there's no old dumb divers. Mm. Like, so you, you break that rule long enough, man. And sooner or later you're going to get fucked over. Mm. Mm. But that's, I mean, that's just kind of my observation, but, um, I mean, the best thing I, the the best advice that I was ever given, and this was once again, this was, this was from my dad. This wasn't from Scott. This was, this was when I was young. Like, you know, you push yourself as hard as you can for as long as you can, but at some point, especially when you're doing something that's deathly dangerous, like free diving is, you have to listen to your body and take that break. Mm. And when you're young, it's very easy to like recover faster than your CO2 level does. Mm. And for, for a guy my age, like I can recover fast enough, but not faster than my CO2 levels. Mm. But when I was 25, that was completely the opposite. Man, like I, I would recover like within a minute, minute and a half, but my CO2 levels are four more minutes away. Mm. And now I'm lucky if I'm ready to go again in four minutes.
0: Yeah. I remember like doing cat and mouse, even in my late twenties, like in a swimming pool. Have you played cat and mouse before? I haven't. So like you'll be in a 25 yard pool and you start at opposite ends and this is like good freediving groups that train for spearfishing will have versions of this game, but one of you starts on the surface and one of you is underneath and you start at opposite ends of the pool. So one of you swims on the top, one of you swims on the bottom. And when you reach the end, you switch around. And the idea is it's the first person to catch the other person. If you come up during your underwater lap, you have to stop and then dive again and keep going. So you have Potentially a surface swimming lap where you get to recover and then you have another lap where you have to swim underwater. And you, because you're at opposite ends of the pool, it takes a little while to catch someone, even if they're not very good. Um, but, you know, like after, after a while, sure. sprinting on the surface is not a great recovery breath to do a 25-yard swim. So after a while, you do start to fatigue. And I used to be really good at it. It was pretty hard to catch me, but lately I just get whooped at it. And, uh,
2: man, I've never done that before, but I feel like I'm, I feel like I will be trying this with some dive buddies here soon, man. That sounds like a lot of fun,
0: man. It's a, it's a great way to start a night and then maybe do some longer, uh, more relaxed swims after, even if you're just doing uh, what's just standard length of a Olympic swimming pool in yards, uh, 25 yards here. Ah, 25 yards.
2: Okay. So the the Olympic, I think a true Olympic pool is, uh, 50 yards or maybe 50 meters. It's, it's actually quite big, but. Um, all the local pools in the Tampa Bay area that that I'm around, they're all 25 yards. I, that's still 75-ish feet, man. That's a long way. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at 50 meters is 55 yards pretty much. So, yeah, we do it in a 25-meter pool, so it would be
2: 27 yards or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long. That's a long way, man. That's a. That sounds like a very challenging game. I'd like oh, to try
0: that. A hundred percent, it is. If but if, if you're if you're paired up against someone that's as competitive as you, and you're both in similar um, condition, it can be a like 20, 30 lap, like affair. And so you're absolutely destroyed at the end of it. It's so good for CO two tolerance. So it's like it's almost like playing underwear yeah, rugby.
2: I'm gonna mention this to my buddy Lee and try to do this over the next few days. I'm really yeah. curious about. Who wins
0: this? Yeah. That guy, Prime Hall, I was telling you about earlier, they they play, like, underwater, it looks like NFL as well. Have you seen that?
2: I have seen that. It fucking looks fun as shit.
0: Yeah, 100% it does. It looks more fun than underwater. Like, we have underwater rugby here and underwater hockey. And and I think those sports are awesome, too. Like, if you want to just maintain some fitness and get some – Get Some like vigorous competitive training in, but uh, that looks cool too, yeah. Anyway,
2: yeah, I think those sports are great with the diving conditions, suck,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And if you're going with a bunch of mates, like it's fun, it's a good place to make make friends too, I think. And yeah, for sure, dive buddies. Um, cool, man. Um, let's talk about um, the epoxy kit for your spear guns. Like, one thing I like about the Neptonics uh website is like you. You've always dedicated a corner of the website to to gun builders, people that love to DIY their own equipment and build their own spear guns. I've seen this epoxy kit that come out. Um, walk me through that and some of the other stuff you've got in the spear gun building sort of section at the moment.
2: Yeah, so the epoxy kit that we we sell is um it's uh, five times clarified, so it's got all the UV in, UV inhibitors in it, and it's extracted all the bad stuff. So it's one of um there's a handful of um, epoxies that exist on the planet that you can actually epoxy or spear gun or anything for that matter with epoxy and leave it in the sun and it won't yellow or turn like a grayish color over time Mm -hmm. um it's um it's a two to one ratio um of the large kit will approximately do five um spear guns if you wanted to coat the outside or if you wanted to laminate um cut and laminate a spear gun to put together but um really really strong epoxy um we have it formulated for us from a a company in california and uh, we've been using it now for about six years and um it's one of those products that once we got it right, we haven't changed it, and it's been um, it's been working great for us.
0: Mm, nice. And I, some guys are like they want to just oil their guns. Some are like epoxy. What What are your thoughts on these things these days? Have you got a strong opinion? Man,
2: if you're the if you're the guy that takes care of their equipment and you're very delicate with your equipment, I think an epoxy spear gun is absolutely beautiful. But it's also like a car that gets a really bad scratch on it, man. Like once it gets nicked, it's really bad. It's really hard to get that that thing straight and fixing out. So if you're the guy or the, the guy or the woman who's really hard on their gear and they they beat it up, like I think an oiled spear gun wins all day long. Mm-hmm. You lightly sand it, you put a little bit of t coil, and it's right back to where it left. But if you're if you're gentle on your gear and, and you take care of your gear, the, the epoxy finish is just it's absolutely gorgeous, man. nothing, nothing touches it. Yeah, nice.
0: And you're not going to, like, you have to do something. Otherwise the timber will warp. It doesn't really matter what what you use. Like um, water and sun, the combination will warp a a barrel. So you have to do something, either
2: epoxy or oil. Yeah, it's 100% the water, the sun, the temperature changes. But um, And I don't know this for sure, man. Like I'm not a scientist. And like, this is just my observation of it. Like you got these wood spear guns that are oil finished and all of a sudden, Five years later, it miraculously starts warping, and no one can figure out why. But what no one, what everyone has forgot in that equation, the only thing is common is it's five years old and it's been to a hundred feet seven hundred times.
3: Ah, yeah, yeah. And like
2: yeah. you know, you su- you subject something to that amount of pressure that many times, and it's sooner or later something's going to fuck up, right? Hmm. Or and, and the flip side of that is is like you got the guy who travels and dives, right? Like so now you're putting it in the cargo side of an airplane that's not temperature regulated who knows what the temperature is in there it's got all this weird gear and equipment sitting on it mm-hmm. it comes off that thing and it immediately goes from like negative temperatures to in the ocean at 100 feet like so it's doing some weird shit to your spirit on that. you can't really scientifically measure at least i can't think of i'm sure they're, obviously there's smart enough people to do that that's above my pay grade
0: yeah well like phys- physics it becomes charles's law with temperature and then you got uh, Archimedes principle and all these other things that are at work on it and I probably only know sure. about it not from school but from scuba diving where I was fairly interested right. in it for a long time but yeah the way that would play out in timber with the with the dynamics of, of, of water and yeah that's crazy yeah I, I think sometimes Yeah, and
2: then you got and then you got some of these gun builders are like well we pressure treat it by it or we, we vacuum treat it and I'm like well you can't pressurize water but you can pressurize water because it makes it deeper right Mm. So like, well, we put it in and we submerge it in oil for three days and other guys are like, we kiln dry it. And I'm like, well, that all sounds great. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it doesn't change the fact that some of these are doing that and not all of these are doing that. But the only common denominator and some doing it and some not is the owner of the spear gun.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they're all composites too. And they're like the bonding agents they use and stuff. It's all different. And so it's yeah. fairly, fairly complex, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, so to answer that question, I I, I think both are good. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like, um, it's a good truck or a good car that you own it you're only going to get a certain amount of time on it before something possibly goes wrong rather whether the springs rust away or mm. something just wears down from use but i mean if you get 10 or 12 years out of something in good hard use out of it man like the end of the day it's not a tragedy it's just sad
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Killshot Spear Guns. Ed Martin makes dependable, reliable, simple spear guns that you can rely on. Check them out at KillshotSpearGuns.com. But it's not just me saying it. Have a listen to what this bloke's got to say about it. Well, I just love Ed Martin's Killshot Spear Guns. They just shoot fish all day long. But it's not just the Americans saying it. He's even sold some spear guns in the UK. That's right Shrek, I just love a kill shot spear gun, I've been shooting bass and all sorts of cord and bollocking God knows what down here in the lock and around and uh, the end of my accent, but uh, yeah, I love kill shot spear guns, keep them coming Ed. And uh, even the Australians are getting in on it, Ed makes a quality reliable uh, platform, have a listen to what um, Stu had to say when I got hold of him last time. Oh, Joey Shrek, I got on a bloody Killshot Spear Guns last time. I heard you gobbling on about them on the podcast, and I just got on. I wanted a reliable, uh, bloody uh, tough spear gun, so I got on Killshot. I saved. I used the code, the bloody uh, noob code there, the noober, and on Killshotspearguns.com. Got myself an American bit of my, uh, timber spear gun and jeepers, mate. This thing is shooting crocs. Oh, oh this it's say so bloody good, mate. Uh, don't don't listen to me about the crocs. Say it's illegal, but I do like to shoot the odd bearer. <laughs> Get onto him. Get into him. I'm out. See you, mate. You didn't just hear it from me. Buy American-made performance at KillShotSpearGuns.com. Get thirty dollars off any spear gun when you use the code NUBA on KillShotSpearGuns.com. Ocean Guardian is the world's leading shark deterrent technology company. Since 2001, their independently proven and tested products have been allowing ocean goers all over the world to enjoy the ocean without a worry. With products for diving, spearfishing, surfing, snorkeling, boating and fishing, they've got you covered for all your ocean activities. Their technology is so effective, the Western Australian government offers a $200 consumer rebate for the purchase of the Freedom Plus Surf and Freedom 7. Uh, Guys, get into it we've got a discount code for you 10% off your shark shield device if you want to get the freedom 7 or the scuba 7 get 10% off use the code noobspiro at checkout if you are at ocean guardian uh, us site or anz site uh get into it get in amongst that ocean guardian are doing awesome things for spiros Have you heard all my bad ads for Neptonics on the podcast? Have you ever listened to any of them?
2: I've listened to a few of them, man. I don't think they're bad.
0: <laughs> I was hoping to give you a bit of a kick out like of them. I just have a bit of fun, you know? Like I think, that's Yeah, of course. That's
2: what, that's what we do this for, man. Yeah, like, man. The best beer fisherman is the one having the most fun. Yeah.
0: Well... I, I definitely have a bit of fun. Like I've been enjoying teaching courses this year. You guys run courses there. Like if you got instructors, I know you have an academy on neptonics.com, like where guys can pretty much just read through a whole bunch of like staff and watch videos to kind of upskill. But in terms of like hands-on training, are you guys, do you, are you do you engage people? How do, what does
2: that look like? So, so we do have, um, we do have an instructor that works here that teaches classes and, um, he does a really good job. He's, um, it's, it's usually classes of like four, like three to four at a time. And then, um, once, once every like six months we will do, um, that this is new to this year, by the way, um, we do the Neptonic spearfishing experience where four to five people will sign up for that. We'll take you diving and we do all the things for you. And then at the end of the day, it's in a big Airbnb or a, a rental property somewhere. And we kind of decompress the day of what happened and like cut up the fish and talk about like what gear went wrong, what you did wrong, what you can do to improve it. At the end of the day, like it's, um, it's been really helpful, but, um, it's nothing like what you're doing as far as like those big entailed classes, but, um, it's something that's been a little bit more, um, for lack of a better term, a little bit more intimate and very hands-on and very precise with it. That's not not very textbook. It's, it's not very textbook oriented. It's, um, most of the guys or the girls that come on those trips are, um, already level one divers, they, they've already got like their feet wet. They already know how to dive 35, 40 feet yeah. and they're just looking to go to the next level.
1: Well,
0: to be honest, like I run most of my bread and butter these days is the, is the beginner courses. Like that's kind of my passion is, is helping people to get to that sure. 30 feet, 40 feet. And then I, fi- I sure. figure a lot of learning from there kind of happens on its own, but I recently ran an intermediate course and I had a whole bunch of other guys come over and help me, um, deliver that. And it sounds similar to what you're running there. Like those high touch sort of person to person events, they're, they're awesome. I, and I, one thing I kind of learned from it, I would love to have a couple of people out there with GoPros following everyone. That way you could do a really good um, debrief and give people some actionable information to improve.
2: Yeah, we, yeah, we do that as well. And it's um, it's very, very helpful. And, um, I think I might've said this on one of your other podcasts, like when you're, when you're in the be- very beginning stages and even like the beginning to intermediate stages, like, um, everyone always beats down this fucking horse of like practice makes perfect practice makes perfect. But it's, it's an absolute fucking lie, man. Like perfect practice makes perfect. Like you do something wrong 200 times and all you did was teach yourself how to do it fucking wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred
2: percent. Right? So so, and, and, and fuck is it's, it's so hard to get that through. Like, especially those younger divers that we were talking about that think they're invincible. Like it's so hard to get that through them man. but man, like once you do it right, like you, it, it all of a sudden it feels right. And like, it works.
0: Mm. There's a guy over there in the U S uh, his name's Joel Turner. Have you heard of him? He was on Rogan. He teaches a course called shot IQ and it's a, it's a, it's a, um, compound bow or archery type course. Have you heard of this guy?
2: No, but you've got me intrigued, man.
0: So he, he like his son is I think one of the leading competition target shooters now, and he was a marksman in the in the I think for the police he was a uh, I think he was a the sharpshooter and a uh, SWAT response team or something like that. I can't quite remember all of it, so forgive me the details here. But basically, his courses he takes takes people out of an unconscious shot process, and he he brings them into a more like they talk themselves through the shot. And because I think in archery, they have that, um, you know, you have a reflex response. So that guys call it a trigger flinch. And so basically his process helps guys work their way through that, that natural ingrained response to to the release of a shaft. But one thing I learned from listening to him was, taking a process that's like this unconscious intuitive process and breaking it into its composite bits and then talking your way through it and then it allows you to isolate in on where you're going wrong. Because, like, for example, you, you look at a duck dive, right? Arguably there's 10 to 15 components of a good duck dive and if you're just doing it one big sloppy mess and, like you say, you've done it 200 times now, it's muscle memory and you've never been consciously in that process it's very hard to fix the one or two parts of it that are going really wrong for you do you sort of relate to that absolutely do Mm. have you had to fix any parts of your diving like that like break out a one of the one of the processes that you're doing and really sort of work out and sort of try and work what's diagnose what's wrong
2: and fix it i I did i've had to do that on a a handful of occasions
0: okay can you talk yeah
2: so yeah, for sure. So um when I learned how to free dive in spearfish, I was diving with plastic fins and like you now no, keep in mind like this was twenty years ago. So twenty years ago, um obviously I'm twenty years younger, maybe this might have been twenty-three years ago. I was diving plastic fins and they're super hard to kick and they don't give a lot of rigidity. So you, you I'd bend my knees a lot and I wouldn't I wasn't necessarily real fluid with my kick cycles. Mm. And then as time progressed and I got better at diving, I moved into carbon fiber fins and carbon fiber fins became reliable and they wouldn't break and they wouldn't let you down in the field. And, but they kick different. Like they, they just, for lack of a better term, they just do. So at that point, like, this is kind of like before I started get like learned like the proper techniques through a free diving school. And you really do truly have to learn how to like not muscle through it and use technique and actually fluidly swivel your hips and um, that was a very challenging thing man like that that took me over a year to correct like automatically but i was doing it wasn't necessarily doing it wrong i was doing it kind of okay for the equipment that i had at the time mm. but when i moved into the proper equipment like learning the proper technique it took me like a year year and a half to actually break that habit but um yeah it was a, it was a, that was a that was a very challenging one for me
0: yeah i've i've had that i've tried to coach people through like that same issue and it's a, it's a hard one because the roll comes more out of your your hips and, it, yeah, like those bent knees when you've got really hard fins, it does give you a maladaptive sort of kicking style. And um, learning to use the action of the carbon and make your finning cycle more efficient, even the cadence and, and how wide your fin strokes are. Like these are things to geek out on. Freedivers are so good at, you know, working on those small one percenters.
2: The free diving the free diving world is amazing at that one percenters. The spearfishing world is absolutely fucking awful.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's why like but you, you kind of want like guys that can teach the geeky freediving skills but have a full understanding of what it is you're trying to use it for, like with spearfishing and stuff. So yeah. But like, you know, you you watch free divers, competitive freedivers, they they spend all this time on this one part of their kick cycle so that potentially they can go out and do one big dive on a line. And yet we're the ones that are like, we go out and we want to fin, we want to do 120 drops for the day and we won't even spend that time to work on our, on our kicking or all these small skills. It's weird. No. eh? we just want to go out and just shoot fish and like,
2: it really, it really is. It, it's, it's absolutely fascinating when you break down the mindset of it.
0: Mm yeah 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 it's a little bit like <laughs> there's so many weird things but out. i mean
2: at the end at the end of the day they're like they're they're definitely more of a purist in what we are and we're at the like for lack of a better term we're hunters and they're not
0: yeah 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 i guess the same thing like with the hunting world like you got target shooters and they spend a lot of time geeking out on these small things with their with regards to the accuracy and then hunters just want enough skills so that they're not going to wound animals and stuff like that and um yeah yeah it's a similar parallel yeah, cool. Jerry, mate, always good to catch up with you. Um, I think we're going to link up a bunch of stuff today in uh, noobspero.com forward slash neptonics3. And uh, guys can always go to neptonics.com. There's uh, the discount code you set up there. I think it's noob10. Is that right? Have I got that right? Noob10?
2: That That is 100% correct.
0: And it's 10% off. Like, you can't ask for a better deal than that. If you're a US-based spiro and you're not shopping at neptonics.com, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Jerry, um, you also, Sam, I-, I was hassling you about your social media. It's Blue Water Sensations on Instagram, as your personal, and there's always Neptonics underscore worldwide up there as well. And it's always cool stuff going on on your, um, on your IG.
2: That is correct. Those are both accurate. All right,
0: cool, man. Well, good to catch up. Was there anything else we missed or you wanted to chat about?
2: Um, Nothing I can really think of, and I think we covered some pretty good topics, man. Um, I'd definitely like to get over those videos to you to kind of show you guys those uh, the riggings of what I've learned along the way of a um, blue water rigging. And full disclosure, man, like I haven't perfected it yet, but I perfected it from gilfail- gilf- gear failure to the the fish, mm. but nothing against the actual elements of sharks in the reef. But um, if someone has got some ideas that work against those, I'm, I'd love to know about it.
0: One thing we're we're in development discussions over is like a minigun with uh with power heads, so it just drops down as soon as the trigger release, and a minigun drops down from the surface, and you just sit there, just da 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 da, just annihilating the men in gray suits.
2: I love that. I was actually thinking <laughs> something more along the lines of Bob. Um, so we could take some of Ocean Guardian's technology and incorporate that into our shooting line. So we shoot the fish, this thing activates, kills it with a with electrical current and also activates shark shield so nothing comes near it, but uh, your minigun idea sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> I
0: always just think, what would Rambo do if he was a spear, you know, and then, you know, that's where a lot of my innovation comes from.
2: Yeah, we'd all look like such bitches. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Back in the day, those Rambo First Blood movies, me and my brothers would watch them all the time. Just the headband. I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't. That, guy,
2: that guy was a fucking beast, bro. Like, oh, the 100%. guy comes home from Vietnam and kills a whole sheriff's department. <laughs> Part of the National Guard, bro. Like <laughs> <Some> a fucking animalistic <laughs> shit,
0: bro. <laughs> uh, on that note, Jerry, let's head on out. But uh, again, guys, if you want to check out anything we chatted about today, uh, noobspiro.com forward slash neptonics3. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, Shrek, thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jerry. Uh, always a good man to chat with. Uh, he definitely takes his gear prep seriously, and I, I hope maybe that gave you a few ideas of your own for when you prepare for some some more serious spearfishing trips and adventures. Um, they are out there, and there's uh, – the opportunities on some of these trips are absolutely amazing as we talked about with this uh, massive long nose emperor there at the start i hope you enjoyed that as well as hearing about some of the gear up on offer particularly the new stuff the revolutionary stuff the innovative stuff i always love getting into the weeds of that check it out at neptonics.com again you can use that code noob10 uh, massive thanks to jerry and the team uh, partnering with the noobsphere podcast to help bring this thing to you talking about partners Massive, massive salute to the patrons powering the Noobspero podcast over at patreon.com forward um, slash There's four different levels, I think you can support the show. It's on an episode by episode basis and um, always, always help putting fuel in the airport. Um, next week, we're off to chat with the controversial new podcast sponsor coming on for 10 episodes at this stage. I don't know if I can give it away. It's F the Tax Man. Um, we're going to have we're going to chat about it we're going to chat about where this concept come from and get into the weeds if you've got a taxman story I'd love to hear about it send them through to me go to noobspear.com, head up into the menu give back find the Noob story section there and you can leave a voice message up to three minutes I'd love to hear your tales from the taxman it'd be a fantastic way to connect with you and um, froth on this this awesome spearfishing lifestyle where we occasionally get taxed so hey come back two weeks time for uh, the founder of F the Taxman. Let's get into it. See you then, guys. I was left with an empty cooler after missing
1: and wounding a bunch of fish with a shoddy spear gun. A work colleague urged me to speak to Naptonics, and I'm so glad I did. Without Jerry and the Neptonics team, I would have kept missing bulk fish and coming home to my wife empty-handed. Now I can focus on slaying monster hogs and groper and covering the deck of my boat
0: and blood never buy a shitty piece of equipment again shopneptonics.com use the code noob10 to save 10% and go spearing with confidence Jerry says if we sell it we believe in it we trust it and dive it shopneptonics.com free shipping for the lower 48 for orders over 199 and you can save 10% when you use the code noob10 N-O-O-B 10 noob zero at neptonics.com hoorah My partner and I are getting into spearfishing and didn't know where to start. The staff here at the Adreno Woollongaver store were great and spent a lot of time with us helping work out exactly what we needed. We'll be going back whenever I need more gear. That review from Lachlan. Buy your spearfishing gear at Adreno. They've got huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country or you can shop online at adreno.com.au. Even better, sweeten it up with the code NoobSpearo. Save yourself $20 on every purchase over $200. Check it out, adreno.com.au.